When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 121 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Delighted to say we've been joined by Max Carlyle for his, uh, I think it's his hat-trick appearance now as well, so he's uh, fairly regular since we since we started. Max, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, thanks, lads. How are you? Very well, mate. Very well. Should have said something like uh, Max Today Magazines, Max Carlisle, as we just <laughs> been discussing off here, that you, you now started doing doing some work with them. Yeah, yeah. I've been um, I've been very lucky lately. I've had a couple of good, good opportunities come my way. Um, I'd like to think I've worked hard for them and they've been going well so far, so long may it continue. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Absolutely fantastic. And listen, you, you're in a perfect position now, well placed, or even better placed, to to delve into the the world of, of Everton in, in a lot more detail. And it's been a very very busy time. Uh, we last spoke as, as a podcast uh, post what got games post Aston Villa. So Big Dunk was in charge. Unfortunately, obviously, we lost the game. Um, since then, and it, this all happened on deadline day. Uh, new managers now in place, which we'll we'll, we'll start with first. Frank Lampard's been been given the nod after quite a, a rigorous managerial appointment process. Max, what are your thoughts on that? I I think the correct phrase as for the new managerial appointment and the new signings, which we'll get into later on, is I am cautiously optimistic. Um I've seen a lot of Evertonians and heard a lot of, of Evertonians have a sense of blind optimism about them. And I think, obviously, this is now, I think, the seventh manager since David Moyes. Um, and boardroom issues and what's going on off the pitch aside, we, under David Moyes, used to be the epitome of stability. And the fact that we are now on to our seventh manager um, has taught me not to get my hopes up too highly. Um Obviously, the the list of managerial candidates wasn't overwhelming, but I would say Frank Lampard was the best of that bunch. Um, he's obviously had a good run in his first season at Derby, got them to the the, the playoff finals, um, did what he did at Chelsea, finished top four and got them into a, a cup final as well, I think, if I remember correctly. And of course, his team did eventually go on to win the European Cup and from what I've heard from Frank Lampard, I've sort of delved into his, his overlap appearances with Gary Neville, 
and his, uh, his appearance on the High Performance Podcast. And, like, the recurring themes that I get from Frank Lampard are that of accountability and taking full responsibility for his team, which is a complete juxtaposition to our previous manager, who seemed to shift the blame everywhere else. Um, and I think that is in part why we are so optimistic about this managerial appointment, that it is just a complete opposite end of the spectrum as to when Rafael Benitez was appointed. And you would like to think the player that Frank Lampard was uh, and the ideas that he has about the game of football can rub off on this group of players and come to fruition over time at Everton Football Club. I think I think your 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 opinion there in terms of Lampard being probably the best of what was available. Well, in terms of those three, if we say those three that were apparently down in London for about the fifty third interviews last uh, last Friday, obviously uh-huh. one being Duncan Ferguson, the other being uh, Vitor Pereira, who who famously went on onto Sky Sports News uh, a couple of days earlier. Um, he was when his name was mentioned because he certainly wasn't. He didn't seem to be in the mix early on, by all accounts. You know, he wasn't really mentioned when Benitez first left. A lot of talk around, obviously, Duncan Ferguson, uh, Roberto Martinez, who was apparently we, we we approached the Belgian FA to see if we could get him. But when we look at those three names, you look at okay, well, what are the standout features? What are the negative aspects? And and for me, obviously, Pereira came with with a massive amount of negativity. We, we saw the protests at Goodison Park, outside Goodison Park, should we say, uh, a lot of a lot of negativity and a lot of resistance to, to that potential appointment. Big Dunk, obviously, we know what Big Dunk is, is all about. Um, I'm sure he was he was keen to take the the job on the on a permanent basis again. Unfortunately, lost that game against Aston Villa, which I'm, I'm sure was probably fresh in the mind of the board as well, making the decision, unfortunately. Um, and then Frank Lampard, who, like you said, then Max, he's, he's managed Derby, he's managed Chelsea. Um, as a player, he's, he, he won it all. Um, so he, he was probably, out of those three, you probably thought, yeah, he's bringing a little bit more positivity and something different than what we've what we've had maybe uh, in, than in recent years. Um and it, I think it was almost, I said this at the time, it, it did become a position of, with Everton fans, it was almost anyone but Pereira. That's how it felt to me. It was almost, you, you could have you could have thrown an Allardyce into the mix and someone would have gone, oh yeah, I get on board with him over, over Pereira. You know, and it's it's one of those, we've got to have to look at each manager on the merits. And I think, yeah, I think he, he certainly stood out of, of those three. And, you know, the, we had a, had a great, a great, um, Article in the Athletic, who and who covered it in great detail to say how much he, he blew, he blew the board away with his obviously his plans for the team. You know what what he what he plans to do, um, going forward as well. So he, he certainly got a lot about him it seems, and and he certainly seems to be a man a man with a plan, which is really really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lee, what are your thoughts on Frank Lampard? Are you happy with the appointment of of uh, Lampard, or would you have preferred maybe someone else? I think you both summed it up really well there. Um, I think rigorous was definitely the word for the interview process, wasn't it? I mean, have you ever seen anything like that in your life? I, I believe it was his fourth interview, wasn't it? Um, you think he was going for the bloody head of NATO or something like that, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But um, but in all fairness, like you know, by all accounts, he'd, um, 
it's like you just said there, Mike, he'd done a great job um, with with obviously the way it was conducted and obviously the protests and everything else. We were becoming in some quarters a bit of a laughing stock, really. Um, not that fans should not be able to do what they did, by the way, because I'm you know I'm fully behind. If, if if anyone wants to sort of peacefully protest against anything, they of course they can. And let's be honest, we've been underachieving as a football club for far too long. Um, so from that perspective, um, one thing I think he will do is, and it has shown signs of it already, is unite the fans. And that's massively important at the minute because there's been such negativity. There's been such a negative cloud hanging over our club for such a long time that we need to, uh, we need to address that. Um, and that's one thing he'll bring. Um, like you, Max, I, I watched the, the overlap a while ago, actually. I rewatched some of it again the other day. One thing he does, he's a very good orator. He comes across really well, speaks well. Um, and I think um, from that perspective, I think it will really help us as a club. Um, because obviously he's going to, you know, a big part of being a manager, yes, is obviously coaching the players and obviously galvanising the team and tactics and everything else, but also in how you come across to the press and how the narrative is controlled by 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 those guys in, on Sky Sports, things like that. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest, I think said this to you, Mike, before, that they couldn't wait for Rafa to fail because of the story that it was when he first came in. Um, and under Carlo, we had a little bit more positive press in the fact that he was well-liked by everybody in those sort of circles. So therefore, you know, a lot of the sort of negative headlines weren't, weren't hanging over us. Whereas with this, with this appointment, um, you know, with the, with the friends he's got in media and things like that, I think hopefully Everton will start seeing a little bit more positive press come their way. Because believe you know, you'll know Max the profession you work in. These guys control the narrative more than we think. You know, in terms of the, the pundits with what they have to say, with how they describe us as a team, as a fan base, everything. It all comes into it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you, Mike, I'm happy out the candidates that were available. We were all a little bit cautious when we talked about him on the last podcast. But I think, uh, in all fairness, I think now, he, you know, he is the right the right appointment. Certainly from those like you said that were available. Anyway. Yeah, of course, of course, and and also what what Lampard brings with him as well is if we look at obviously the backroom staff that he's got now at the club, there was a lot of talk around Anthony Barry, who is is very well thought of. Obviously, still at Chelsea, uh, he was at Chelsea with with Frank Lampard. He's, he's still there now with with Thomas Tuchel. He thinks really highly of him, and there's a lot of talk. We did actually approach him, and talk did go well. But we, we couldn't get that one over the line, which which is you know totally understandable, you know, and, and it's something that we could revisit maybe in six months, depending on what happens with with the current the current Chelsea manager. So that that could happen in the future. Um, big Dunk does stay on. There was a, a, lot, a lot of thought that that Duncan would go. So after being being snubbed for the manager manager's job, the talk on Sunday was that he was going to be on his way. So everyone wrote the goodbye messages. I mean about six hours. He was staying, so we had, to, we had to backtrack on that. But he forms part of that coaching team as a as a first team coach. Alan Kelly remains in his position, he, and I think to be fair, he's been really important to Jordan Pickford. Um, they've got a good relationship, and, and I think he's really helped Jordan Pickford to to come through difficult periods and and to find to find his form and be consistent. We then see Paul Clements. Who's got a fantastic reputation? Uh, everyone will know him from working with Carlo Ancelotti. At, at Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, had a go at management himself, didn't quite work out. But as a, as a coach, fantastic. Um, Chris Jones as well. He's come from from Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken. Another coach and head of performance. 
And also assistant manager Joe Edwards, another another body from Chelsea who yet again really, really highly thought of. And and I'm sure Chelsea were disappointed to lose. But it shows you again the pull of Frank Lampard, the name of Frank Lampard, I think, will really, really help in, in all aspects. And having a good coaching team behind a max is just as important as having a good manager in charge, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. It's absolutely vital. And to add on to what you've just said there, I would like to think it would raise the standards at training and behind the scenes at Finch Farm. Hopefully, you know, as you said, the pull of Frank Lampard has brought this 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 group of technical staff together. Uh, most of them obviously coming from Chelsea. Um, with that in mind, that they can build some sort of something at Everton Football Club and. I feel like using the term project has almost been beat to death over the last five or six years in regards to Everton, but hopefully this can be the you know the reinvigoration of that project. And the way that I look at it is, I guess, with any managerial appointments, is there are short-term objectives, medium-term objectives and long-term objectives. Given the current situation that Everton are now in, I think short-term is obviously results keeping our Premier League status and not being like drawn into a, a relegation dogfight. Um, we're still obviously, of course, involved in the FA Cup uh, and would like to to make it to Wembley in that regard. Um, finding the best 11, which I'm, I'm sure is something that we can discuss when talking about the new signings, uh, as this is still a team with, if I'm not mistaken, one win in 14. So I still think we are in somewhat of a crisis medium term. I think Lampard's got to implement his philosophy onto the the group of players that he has, which is obviously part responsibility of the coaching staff as well. Um, I feel like there's a leadership issue at Everton Football Club, and there has been for a number of years, and I think that's something that someone like Frank Lampard will want to address and hopefully get us in the on along the same lines uh, and in an upward trajectory similar to that of we've seen of of West Ham in recent years and, and maybe even Aston Villa people are discussing now and long term I guess is, is something we've been beating the drum of for a long time is trophies and being competitive but at the root of all that is those short-term objectives of developing a cohesive unit and getting results and you would like to think particularly with people like Paul Clements who like you said there um, Mike his, his CV is is brilliant uh, as an assistant manager and as a coach um, you would like to think as I, as I say those standards will be implemented into the, the, the group that Everton have now and we can push on for the rest of the season I totally agree with that Max actually I totally agree with that I think we have to you know we, we've got some crucial games coming up now short term you know three big games coming up and we also have to you know Newcastle has strengthened, obviously, as we know. Um, obviously, they'll have to bed some players in, but they've signed a, they've signed a cracking player from Leon in Guevara. So he's, he's, he's a quality footballer. Um, but we also, you know, we also have to expect. You know, I've said this before on 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 when Ferguson came in. You can't expect Lampard to turn water into wine, can you? Do you know what I mean? And he's going to need time. And as a fan base, now we have to get behind him um, and give him that time. You know, I, I want Frank Lampard. You know still to be at our football club in three years' time and we're having a conversation about how he's done in the last three years. Hopefully, he's done well. But ultimately, one thing we need more than anything at our football club at the minute is stability. We need stability, continuity, and like you just said there, you know, hopefully, you know, high, high, high 
high levels of performance or certainly aspiring to get to those high levels uh, in, in everything that they do. And I think, you know, with that backroom staff he's brought with him, hopefully that will, that will be the case. Um, you mentioned before about his job at Derby. I think overall he did a, a pretty decent job there. I was unlucky to lose in the final. The Chelsea one was a really interesting one because I delved into it a little bit more detail. You know, he obviously left and the sort of, you know, a little bit of gloom because obviously they, they, they fell off a cliff a little bit. But if you look into it in a little bit more detail, he did fantastically well in the first season. They were never really outside that top four, you know, with the transfer ban. Um, you know, he brought a few young players through that he had at Derby and the likes of Mason Mount in particular and people like that. And then the second season, they were still in the top four after nine. I think it was like, I think it was, no, sorry, it was 11 games. And then for, uh, I think it was a seven, eight game stretch. They lost three or four games in that period and then plummeted to ninth. Um, and then Chelsea, as Chelsea do, just basically took him out straight away after that. Really was the first blip they had. I know they lost to Arsenal uh, pretty badly. Then they lost to City, which is no disgrace. And I think a couple of other results and then he was gone. Um, so from from my perspective, it, you know, it's classic Chelsea that is in terms of the, you know, First signs of distress, they get they get him out, and mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Obviously, Tuchel's turned out to be a fantastic appointment for them. They went, they've gone on to win the European Cup, obviously. So you know they turned out to be right in that case. But you know it wasn't as bad as it's made out in terms of how he left. Do you know what I mean? He, he wasn't exactly on a losing streak anywhere near like we are now, for example. Um, I just wish our board would have bloody sat Benitez a bit sooner on the back of those runs. But that's another story. But. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that, you know what, I really do think there is a manager there. There really is. There is a manager there. Not all top players go on to be top managers. In fact, very few. Um, but I think, you know, like Villa have done with Gerard now, I'm taking a punt on him because, you know, we've all said that he, he could go on and potentially be a top manager. Uh, I think I think Frank Lampard could be the same. I think he's an intelligent guy. I think he, as I said, he comes across well. I think he, you know, young players will gravitate towards him. You can clearly see his body language with young players. Always got his arm around them, always telling them they're a million dollars. These young players nowadays, they need that. Uh, they certainly don't need the, you know, the, the Rafa Benitez cold shoulder, which is obviously you know, what he was known for. So it's just good to see a lot of positivity around the club. And you know, like I said, hopefully in three years' time, he's still there and we've got a clear identity in how we play. Um, and hopefully you know, uh, Goodison will be a happy place again. Yeah, it's all about, like you say, the, the shorter term, isn't it? About what staying in the Premier League, it's as simple as that. Um, and like you say, Lee, hopefully, you know, in three years' time, as we're, you know, we, we move into Bramley Moore, Frank Lampard is still there because that, that shows he will have been a success. He's he's starting to build something. Um, and, and I'd love him, I'd love him to succeed. I really would. I think, you know, was he 43 years of age now? Still obviously fairly new uh, and green in terms of his managerial career. But you bring in someone in who's at that age now who, who can really look to build something at, at the football club. Um, as we said, he, he's got a pull about him because of the name. Um, he's going to earn that respect off the bat, I think, because of the fact that it is Frank Lampard, because of what he's won in the game, what he's achieved, and, and how good he was as a player. You know, some, some of these, these younger lads, I'm sure, will be sitting there now rubbing their hands together. Lewis Dobbins signed his new deal as a, as a prime example, thinking I'm going to get a chance under this fella. I really yeah. am. You know, he, uh, to add to that, Mike, not only that, but I think Frank Lampard will understand the modern player, unlike mm. previous managers that we had, and I think that will definitely go a long way. 
Of course, of course. I mean, that's as important as, as anything else. You know, he can he can put him uh, put himself in their in their boots almost, can he? It was, it was only a few years ago he was playing the game himself, and you know that that's going to stand him in really good stead, I think, with with the younger the younger players, but also you know those those players who are at the back end of the career as well. You know, I'm sure that the, the respect that they've got for Frank Lampard, some of them, James Collin, as, as an example, will have played against Frank Lampard. You know, they, they, they will all know him as a as a player, um, as a, as a man, and as a name. And it's it's only for me, it's only going to be a a positive a positive thing for us to bring him in, and 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 let him you know let him work. You know, obviously the pressure is on, of course it is because of where we are, but you know, in in the first two or three games, get two or three wins, the pressure will be relieved pretty quickly, I think, and that's what he, he needs to try and do. Um, but as a fan base, have patience where we can. We, we've got to try. I know it's difficult at the moment because of the, the predicament we find ourselves in. But try and be patient with him. Let him let him do what he needs to do. You know, if we draw a couple of games early doors, fine. He's trying to build the side. He's he's getting to know the side that he's got available. He's brought in you know a couple of, of, of transfers himself already, which he was pivotal to. So just let him let him try and find his best side. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm convinced that results will certainly turn around. Hopefully, starting on Saturday against uh, against Brentford at Goodison Park. But like I mentioned, then Frank Lampard had a busy day on his on his first half day in charge. Transfer deadline day, he was announced, brought in a couple of players who we're going to discuss after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Saints podcast. We're, like I said, busy transfer deadline day at Goodison Park. We um, The signs, it was going to be busy sort of the day, the day before, wasn't it, where we, we started to get the the, the, Va- the Van der Beek links came in a lot more strongly. Um, obviously, Lampard hadn't even been announced and we were looking to sign players. But the, the way, the way obviously, the way modern football goes, Lampard, obviously, he knew he was going to be Everett manager. That was all that mattered. The fact that we weren't too sure didn't really, didn't really matter. But the first player he got through the door was Donny van der Beek, Manchester United, uh, on loan. We were linked with him in the summer. He was another one of Marcel Brand's picks, if I'm not mistaken, and someone that we had, we had identified, as I say, to, to come come to the club in the summer. But I mean, we just couldn't get that deal done. I think United blocked blocked the deal in the end because he was quite keen to come and and play some some regular football. Um, but but Lee, but what's what are your thoughts on that signing? Because obviously we've been crying out for uh, a deep line midfielder, a number six, if you like. Uh, there was a bit, little bit of talk about Zusagana Gay, who was not, I wouldn't say he was naturally a six, but he could play a little bit more defensively than what we've got. Instead, we, we bring in uh, Donny van der Beek. We obviously we've got Alan still there, the core, of course, and we're going to discuss Deli Ali shortly. What are your thoughts on that signing? Are you, are you happy with that? You know where I stand on Van der Beek. I mean, I, I've been saying for a while I wanted just to pull him from United because uh, I think there's a real player there. I really do. Um, I watched him quite closely in the Ajax team. They had a great run in the Champions League when he played alongside De Jong. Obviously, had the likes of De Ligt and Zayech and, and a few a few other players in there as well. And he was outstanding in that team, particularly alongside De Jong. I thought him and De Jong were brilliant. Obviously, De Jong got his move to Barca. It's kind of done okay, but then Barca are obviously in a bit of turmoil. They're not the team they were. But um, there's a, like I said, there's a real player there. He's got a bit of everything about him. Um, a few of my mates, one of my good mates is a big United fan, and 
like quite a few United fans. I think they are a little bit gutted. He's not been able to force his way into that team. Um, obviously, you know, ultimately you'd say his best position possibly is that of Bruno Fernandes. And, and Bruno, as we know, is, is, is a top draw player. So he's, he's found that tricky. Um, but then, you know, it was interesting to hear De Boer's comments recently as well, saying that he thinks his best position is a six, ironically. And he, he played as a number six for Ajax. But I think in that team, um, he was tasked with getting forward quite a bit. And if you look at his stats, I mean, 175 games, 75 goals and assists, um, which is, you know, obviously is a different league. We know that. Um, and we have had players famously come over from there who have not quite done so well. And some players were even, some fans, sorry, were even so on. Not another Davy Classen, thank you very much. He's nothing like Davy Classen, nothing like him at all. Other than the fact that they played in the same league, same team, not the same hair colour. I can't think of anything else to be honest. But um, but no, he's 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 a technician, great on the ball, two footed, loves to pass it, keep it all day, um, likes to tackle as well, um, doesn't mind sticking his foot in. Um, and some of the games I've watched with United recently, his little cameos, he, he's he's come on even though he has been sort of left out quite a bit. He's come on, his body language is very, very good. He's coming on, he's clapping his hands, going, come on, lads, let's get on with it. He's not sulking. Um, and, and as I said, I think that's a good sign of a good professional. Um, and you know, I'm hoping, obviously we're all hoping he does he does well with us because if he does, I wouldn't mind us going in for him um, in, in the summer, to be honest. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how Frank sets us up there with, with Donny, whether he plays Alan in the six, possibly. That's what we seem to think. Um, be interesting what you think, Max. Actually, but I think he'll possibly play Allen in the six, and then the likes of possibly um, uh, Donny maybe in an eight, and then maybe Dali as even a possible ten, or even Gomez in there while while Decore's out. It's, it's hard to know, but we are getting a footballer here. We are, we really are, and I, I just hope he he just needs a bit of love uh, and a bit of game time, and I, I think we'll we'll hopefully see the best of him uh, in this little spell. Yeah, yeah. I think, go on, Max. Just, just, just going to say there, you've put your finger on it daily. That, that's the conundrum now, isn't it? it? It's how to bring these two players in who are relative, relatively similar. I know they have, they do have the differences in terms of positionally and uh, and whatnot, but it's how to accommodate them in a, in a midfield. Obviously, by all accounts, it looks like Lampard may go with a four-three-three. So, how do you work them into a, in, in a three in midfield? Um, and they are arguably both in a similar boat when it, when you look at their careers obviously started both so brightly um, like you were saying there about Van der Beek just really influential in that run into getting to, to the to the semi-finals of the Champions League for Ajax um, among a, a golden crop which you know we're all highly thought of in the football community as I think anyone who comes through the, the Ajax school of football is um, I feel like they've got leadership qualities and built in them it goes to the point you were saying about his body language when he's coming on to Manchester United or he's trying to be positive, looking to play. Um, and maybe that's what Everton Football Club needs right now is, although he's still relatively young, I think he's 24, he can come in and and influence how we play football because it's certainly something that we've struggled with in recent weeks. Um, I am slightly reserved in regards to his confidence. Obviously, things haven't gone well at United lately, um, for him in particular, at United lately. And from all accounts, from, from watching him previously more, so at Ajax and when I've read up on him and that, he seems to struggle more when he comes up against a low block, against a, a tight defence, um, maybe 
his final ball isn't as positive, isn't forward thinking. It's maybe playing it safe as opposed to when you know he'd look for a cut and pass in behind or finding these pockets of space. But let's try try and be optimistic because I think that's what he needs in this stage of his career. And you would like to think. You know, harking back to his Ajax days of arriving in the box at the right time, late, putting, you know, low balls across the box for someone to finish in the middle. You would like to think somebody like Frank Lampard can work on that. Yeah, of course. And I think, I mean, obviously, on his confidence, that's one thing, isn't it? And to try and, you know, I think the fact that we've actually brought him to the club, I think should should help him and will make him feel wanted. It's about giving him that chance now to, to go and express himself. But like, like Lee was saying, one thing that I, that I picked up on with him, he, he does seem to have a, a top-class attitude because he could have, you know, we know he was, he's had a huge club, you know, at United and, you know, sometimes they do, they do bring plays in like any club and it, and it doesn't work. And then we know it's a high-pressure situation playing for them. On, on any given day. Um I just think that every single time I've seen him, he just he does look bullied. He, he's happy to be on the pitch to get an opportunity. I think the United fans were, were onto that. You know, every, every single time he got brought on, especially in recent weeks, they, they backed him hugely. They wanted to see him. They understood obviously his frustration and not being given the chance to, to get to get more more time on the pitch. And I think it shows that shows the measure of the man. You know, he just wants to play football. It's, it's as simple as that. And, and we're going to give him that chance. Um, and, he, and he's a player who, you know, like I said, he was identified in the summer. He wanted him then. I think that if Frank Lampard wasn't in charge now, he probably wouldn't have come. To be honest with you, that's just just a gut feeling. I think that having him at the club, you know, if, if you think, imagine if it was Pereira, who was who was here. Do you think that he could really pull? Van der Beek to come to Goodison Park. I don't think so. I think we would have seen him. He was he was quite quite advanced in discussions with uh, Crystal Palace. If, if we're going to believe what we what we saw yesterday, so I think that was you know, I think again that's a pull of Frank Lampard to get this kind of player in. And and I think like you said, Lee, the the, the comparison to Davy Classen is just just a lazy comparison, really, isn't it? The, the only the only uh, comparison really is or the only similarity. Is nationality and the club that he come from. So, I think that he's going to be a real success for me. I really do. And and if he can play a little bit deeper and he's comfortable in doing so, fantastic. He certainly, you know, got that little bit more physicality than maybe what we see from from some of our midfielders. He's certainly a, a bit more agile because he's you know he's young as well, which is helpful. So I think it's a real a real positive sign. And I think it's you know it's it's one of those moves that. I was I was really happy with on the on the day and, and delighted that he's he's chosen to come to to Goodison Park to oh, hopefully give us a good a good sort of four or five months and, and see us over the line in terms of staying in the Premier League. Um, but, but is he? But is he, mate? Player, is, he Sean, is he Sean Longstaff, mate? <laughs> Thank God for that. Well, listen, Thank God for that. <laughs> know, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? How how things can change so quickly in football, and we were we were looking at. Potentially bringing in Longstaff. Obviously, Vinitez had identified him quite a while ago, and he was going to be brought in, and he was going to be our our central midfield option. So to go from him to obviously getting in Van de Beek and, and Delhi Alley, who we're going to discuss in a second, I think it shows you the the transition the club has made and just changing the manager. To be honest with you, I think it, I think it's a it's a big move, and it certainly helps helps us in in terms of attracting. Names, if you like, to to the club, and and I, I put Deli Ali in that category. To be honest with you, I think 
you know, we, we look back at Deli Alley and, and say 2016, 17, 17, 18, he had over 30 goal involvements in both of those seasons, which is incredible. He played with no fear, with no inhibitions. You know, he, he was left to, to sort of just, just play his game as a young, up-and-coming Premier League footballer. And it, it's almost come back in a way to bite him, I'd say. You know, since since then, over the last probably two or three years especially, he's become very stagnant in terms of his performances. We've all seen the uh, the Spurs documentary on, on Amazon, where Mourinho rips into him, basically, for his, his attitude. Um, so it's one it's one of those, isn't it, where Deli Ali has promised so much and, and he's shown so much in his in his career, but he's only twenty five. Don't forget. So for me, th- this kind of deal that we've done, I think, is a very very clever deal because if anyone's going to pull him out of out of the doldrums and, and out of the stagnation, it's it's Frank Lampard, isn't it? Because of what he's done as a midfielder and what he's achieved, I think I think that could work wonders. For, for Deli Ali, and, and I think I think Lampard is one of those managers who's, who is an arm around the shoulder, that kind of type. You know, when we, we think back to Ross Barkley under Martinez, Ross Barkley needed that all the time. To be told he's a fantastic player, he's, he's phenomenal, as, as Roberto would always say, even when he was playing poorly, because Ross Barkley thrived off that. Put Barkley in with Ronald Koeman, who's nothing like that. It's night and day, and he fell off a cliff. Deli Ali, he's been with managers who. A pretty hard line radio, you know, as we said before, what, what what it was like with him. Conte, they're not that kind of manager who are going to put their arm around someone and, and try and pick them up. But I think with Lampard, they can really work. And, you know, the structure of the deal, again, I think it's an absolute masterstroke. We've, we've, we've got to applaud whoever negotiated that deal on, on our behalf because to not pay anything until he plays 20 games, and he can't play 20 games this season, by the way, because he's cup tied means that it moves into into the, the next reporting year you know it's 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 a win-win really it's not not a massive gamble you know it's 10 million pounds after 20 games it's heavily uh it's got so many incentives in there before it even reaches anything over 30 million pounds i think i've got to win the world cup and the european championships to, for us to be paying 35 40 million pounds yeah. so that you know that that shows you how, how good the deal is so i think it's a very very savvy deal and, and i was Again, I was I was pleased with the deal. I mean, what what, what do you think, Max? Where do you think Deli Ali is going to fit into this side? Just to add on to that about the the deals that we've done as well, I echo everything that you've just said about how we've sort of worked the deal so that it's a free up until twenty games, and then you know you've got the clauses that may rise to forty million. But that to one side, and I'll include Frank Lampard in this. Frank Lampard and Deli Ali's contract with Everton Football Club are only two and a half years, if I'm correct. So that, to me, says that Everton Football Club have learned from past mistakes of handing out players for five-year contracts and they haven't worked out and they're on the payroll until you know the contract runs out. So that is something that tells me that we're on the right path in terms of deals that we're handing out now. So that I do have to applaud. I can't lie, once... I saw we were linked with Deli Ali. I was quite reserved as to trying to trying to figure out why, if you if you know what I mean. Because obviously we you know Donny Van der Beek was all but confirmed at that point, and it was just a conundrum of how do you work both of those into the same side? Um, you know, I know Decore's out for a month, so you'd assume it'd be Alan sitting deep. But at the same time, you know, to my understanding, Deli Ali's always shown his best football when played in a number 10 or as like a second striker. 
Um, obviously, as everybody outlined there, fantastic player when he burst onto the scene at Spurs. Um, if I'm not mistaken, double figures in his first season in terms of goals. And I think he won the PFA Young Player um, back-to-back in, in his first two seasons at Spurs. Obviously, and as you said, stagnated. He's going to be given a new lease on life as a permanent sign in Everton. Maybe I'm quite disappointed that obviously it couldn't be alone because we've loaned Anwar El Ghazi. Um, but is he going to be able to to play his football without stunting the development of the young players that we do have at the club? So how are we now going to fit an Anthony Gordon into the side if we're going to play a 4-3-3? And you would imagine Damari Gray and Richarlison are wide. How are we going to work Anthony Gordon into the team? Um, but after seeing the the farewell video from Spurs, I can't help but think we're getting a world beater. Like they showed some of the some of his clips, particularly for me early on, and just the little movements on the ball, beating players. It's just that injection of life that I feel like the midfield needs. Um, the ability to go past the player to 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 make that you know the correct final ball, the, the right decision. Um, because that that's what it's all down to at the end of the day, isn't it? On and off the pitch is your decision-making. You know, you need to make the correct decisions. It's a gamble, don't get me wrong, because he has stagnated. But I'm going to be optimistic in that we can unlock Deli Ali going into the best, well, what should be the best years of his career. Yeah, if, if there's one manager that can potentially unlock Ali, then it's this lad, and it's a guy who's played in his basically his position. Um, and I, I do think I was like you, Max. I, I must admit, when we first got linked with him, I was a bit like, oh, I'm not, I'm not really feeling that. Um, and that's mainly because really attitude. Mourinho, like you said, Mike called him out on it very early doors uh, at Chelsea in terms of his work rate and his ability to, you know. Oh, you turned up to training and given 100% of yourself and he, he clearly picked up on that straight away. And we just got to hope Delhi doesn't turn out to be one of those players that sort of peaked in his you know, early 20s and then just basically faded away. Um, when they signed him, we, we actually you know, were after him when he was at NK Dons and he ended up going to Spurs, didn't he? And, and as a real sort of precocious talent. And Pochettino, I, th- I thought, managed him brilliantly. Um, he really did. And it's no coincidence that he's, he's down or his slide from from that sort of high level he was playing that has been since Pochettino left. Um, Mike, you just said there, they've had Josie in. They've had a very short stint, obviously, um, uh, with with Nuno and then obviously now 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 Conte. And certainly Conte and Jose are not the type, like you just said there, to put his you know the arm around the shoulder type, um, which I think Delhi probably needs that. And I think Frank Frank will give him that. Um and like you said, Max, watch some of those clips and you just see how technically gifted he is. He's got a lovely touch. He's obviously see, he sees a picture. You know, he scores some lovely goals, little dinks, little flicks. And I remember when Spurs came to our place a few years ago in Poch and uh, we even took the lead in that game. I think we ended up losing 5-2 and him, him, Kane and Eriksen just destroyed us that day. They just played on yeah. a completely different level. Um, you know the, the, their movement, and if you look at it, a lot of his goals, you know, particularly like it's quite similar with Kane and Son nowadays. Actually, you know, Kane dropping into that pocket, and Delhi was ahead of him a lot of the time, making runs off him. I mean, that goal he scored against Arsenal, for example, that was exactly that. It was clipped into Kane, chest it down, turn, and then Delhi's already made the run, and that touch and little flick over the keeper was just absolute nonchalant, really. Um, and he's got that in his locker. He has got that in his locker. He, you know, he, he can finish with his head. He can finish with both feet. 
Uh, as I said, he, he's technically gifted. So I, I don't be surprised if I see him. You, you see him maybe you know playing that ten, but also you know maybe playing off Dom or, or Richie, depending who's playing that central role. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one thing it gives us now with signing those guys is 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 options. It does give us options. I am slightly concerned that we are a little bit light in in the defensive midfield region. And you know, if there is a finger to be pointed as this season, and I know the defence has taken an absolute hammering, but to have a good defence, you also need, you know, good teams have have good midfielders that protect that defence as well. And our defence has been awfully exposed this season. Um, Garner, yeah, possibly on a short-term loan would have, would, would, have, would have really helped that and reassured me a little bit. He's a bit like a Kante in the fact that he almost covers the, the work of two people. Um, I just, I just wish we'd gone for. We may still do in the summer. Just gone for like a Sangare, who's obviously you know his, his buyout clause. You know, in, in the I think I'm, from what I read is in the last year of his contract is just over ten mil. So I mean that's an absolute steal if you could go and get someone like him. Um, but look, we're not going to all address that in the, in the space of a very short time. We've had, you know, last time we recorded a podcast, Mike. You know, I think Benitez was still there, wasn't he? I was still knocking about. So. Um, it's changed. It's changed a lot in a very short space of time. So, you know, Frank's got to integrate these lads into the team. He's going to have to. You know, you, the word music to my ears. What he used in his presser was, he likes his teams to dominate the ball. He likes to play through midfield. Um, and and you know, we've we've been anything but that since Rafa came in. Um, and I want us to play that way. I want us to play that sort of. You know, the, the, you know, not not necessarily. You know, overly deliberate like under Martinez or whatever. But you know. Fast attacking football, uh, you know, penning teams in at Goodison. I can't remember the last time we actually penned a team in for a whole half and had a, and had a, and had several shots and you know didn't let them out. You know, what I mean, we, we just we just became this counter attacking team where we were looking for Calvert-Lewin with seventy yard balls and stuff like this. So, um, so yeah, their music to my ears really. And those guys, both the word I'd describe both those two midfielders really is, is pedigree. They've both played at a high level, and I think they've both got a point to prove. And if we can get that out of them, they could prove to be really two really shrewd signings for me. I think on, on that point of, in regards to obviously a, a number six defensive midfielder and obviously the the fact that the, the defence has been under the spotlight so much, that comes with the integrity we're playing the brand of football that we've been playing, especially under Benny says. Because like you said, when's the last time we ever penned a side back for a half of football? Goodison. We haven't done it. We don't take we don't take the game to anybody at all. It doesn't matter whether it's Norwich, Burnley, Chelsea, Man City, wherever it might be. We don't try and take the game to anyone. Now, under Lampard, he's gonna to want to try and do that. You know, there's already been clips come out from saying today. And Lampard's you know showing enjoy the ball, enjoy the ball. You know, he, he wants players to have confidence with the ball at their feet in their own ability and to play fast fast attacking football and and like you say that's music to our ears as fans because we've been saved up some absolute shite for the last what four or five months and even the back end of last season under Carlo when it was really you know it was poor and and I think a lot was that looking looking back now a lot of that was probably because of what was you know he knew himself as, as the manager he was going to be on his way he knew what was happening behind the scenes i think there was a lot of a lot of there was a bad taste left in the mouth wasn't there with, with a lot of people there um and i think that hasn't helped things at the end of his tenure and like i say it, it continued with what we were seeing under benitez especially in the last sort of 
you know, two, three months or so. And it'll be it'll be good to see what happened on Saturday against Brentford, how he sets up. Obviously, we, we can't utilise the new lads. We, we won't be seeing any of them. We won't see, um, obviously, El Ghazi because he, he, he's, uh, he's cup-tied as well. So it's going to be what we've got and what we've had for, for the last the last few months as well. Uh, hopefully, we've got a fully fit squad to, to call upon. So that'll be interesting to see what happens on Saturday in terms of how we line up, what formation he uses, and that'll then give us an idea how we're going to then get these new lads into that side. But we're going to have a, have a one final break. I'm going to have a quick chat about Saturday's FA Cup fourth round game against Brentford. Welcome back to the final part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. And like I said before the break, we're going to have a, a quick chat and a, and a forward look to our next game, Frank Lampard's first game uh, as Everton manager on Saturday. Three o'clock kickoff, unheard of. Uh, we haven't seen one of them for quite for quite a while, but fantastic. So it's to be a Goodison Park on on Saturday, all Premier League tie sellout as as per usual. Although I say that I, I went on and got and got tickets, and there was there was all sorts available, and then all of a sudden Lampard became the front runner, and the tickets all went. So I think I think again. You know, there was a lot of uh, negativity around the club, but having it, having him come in and have the manager sorted has, has got the fans certainly on side a little bit more than than they were maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it's a, it's a it's a great game, isn't it, Max? You know, it's always good. I think all Premier League ties anyway. But we think you know, it's night and day, isn't it? How would the atmosphere have been if there wasn't a managerial change compared to how it's going to be on Saturday with Frank Lampard mm-hmm. at St Park? Yeah, uh, of course it is, and uh, I don't think there's any better occasion for that than an FA Cup game. Uh, the, 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 but despite what anybody says, there is always magic about cups, uh, cup ties, um, especially when you think about it. It's not necessarily Goodison under the lights, but as you say, Mike, Goodison at three o'clock on a Saturday's few and far between lately, so I think we'll take that. And although the last time I was against Brentford didn't make for very pleasant viewing, you would like to think again under a new manager, this group of players will get their act up. And in the short space of time that Frank Lampard does has, he can, you know, orchestrate a game plan that the players will understand and take to and be able, fingers crossed, to execute. Because I feel like I say this every time I do a podcast talking about Everton, but maybe slightly different in this current day. Um, because of the, the position that we find ourselves in in the league. But we need silverware more than anything. Um, I think it'll turn all the fans around. It'll certainly turn this group of players around as to looking what we can achieve moving forward. And Frank Lampard, as the serial winner that he was as a player, of course, as we all know, broke our hearts in 2009. You'd like to think we can go far in this competition. And I'm not talking go far as in, quarter-final, semi-final. I mean, try and win the bloody thing. You would like to think so. Um, I'm maybe not as confident as in previous years, given to what we've seen from this group of players up to now. But, again, that's like, as I said earlier, the magic of the cup. That's it. Normally a Goodson FA Cup, FA cup game uh, against anyone, you'd, you'd always think Everton, Everton all over this. We, we, we'll, uh, we'll get through here. You know, whether it's, as I say, Man City, Chelsea, Brentford, whoever it might be, I'd, I'd fancy us to go through just because of, if you say, the magic of the cup, the tradition we've got as a, as a club in the FA Cup. Um, but obviously, slightly different times at the moment. But I think 
I think that, I mean, Lee, you love this expression, the, uh, the, the new manager bounce, you know, I think that's going to come into play uh, on Saturday. You know, I'm, I'm, I always look forward to going to Goodison Park, always have done, whether, you know, we're winning or losing in terms of our, our form. You know, I, I cherish every single game like I have at Goodison Park now, especially with the fact that, you know, in a couple of years' time, it's not going to be there. Um, but I'll be going on Saturday with an extra bit of bounce myself, I think, you know, and I'm sure... When I'm in and around Goodison Park, you know, a couple of hours before kickoff, I'll feel I'll feel that difference. I'll feel maybe a little bit of a weight has been lifted from the fans' shoulders, um, and I'm fully expecting a fantastic atmosphere uh, from from the Everton fans. But also Brentford, you know, they've got the the increased allocation because it's FA Cup, so they they get more of the the Bullens Road, of course. So again, makes makes for a fantastic atmosphere. But it's definitely going to be a lot more positive. Um, a lot more raucous than it than it would have been. Um, but Lee, what, what are your thoughts going into the game? Do you go in there with a the, with the renewed confidence? Would you say with with the change of manager? Oh, we can't help but go there full of confidence, can we, mate? You know what I mean? I mean, we both went to the last game with Villa with Duncan, and it, it was I wouldn't say it was subdued, but it wasn't as raucous as I thought it was going to be. Like when he took over, you know, and when we played Chelsea, I think it was still a hangover from Benitez. Um, and I still think there was a bit of a hangover uh, from the fact that with the team he went with as well and the fact that John Joe played and and people like that. So, yeah, I think it'll be bouncing. There'll be smiles on faces um, and, and going the ground. And uh, it's a good game. I'm, I'm actually glad we've got... I know it's a shame the young players... Uh, sorry, the new players can't play, but it's a good... I'm glad he's got that game before we play Newcastle so we can have a look at some of the players and maybe try... You know the four-three-three, or maybe four-two-three-one, wherever he goes with. Do you know what I mean? It's it's almost like a little sort of dress rehearsal before the Premier League. And when we played Brentford over at their place, um, you know, we lost to a penalty, an absolute shocking pen in the end. But it, we lost, and I wasn't impressed with them at all. Brentford, they were great at the start of the season. Brentford, uh, they were giving teams, you know, you know, real games. Particularly Liverpool, they gave them a great game at their place. But since then, they've really tailed off. Um, and I think if we play anywhere near our level and you know if we score that all important first goal I keep on saying this all the time you know with the amount of times we can see the first goal it's soul destroying you know we'll be going in there with optimism we get that first goal I think I think we could beat him uh, by by two or three hopefully um, and that'd be perfect the perfect boost that we need going into going into Newcastle which won't be an easy game by the way it will not be an easy game it'll be a night game they've got new signings they're going to be buoyant you know, uh, I'd much rather have played them in December when we should have played them in the home tie when, you know, they had half their best players out like Callum Wilson and people like that. Um, so, um, but yeah, you know, for me, it's it's great that we've got this game coming. I've sat home as well. Um, as you just said, there'll be a full house. So um, a real opportunity to sort of inject a bit of much needed confidence into that team because we are fragile from a confidence perspective now. And it's no, it's no surprises really, is it? You know, with the record that we've got and the football we were playing, but you've seen from those training clips now that, that the play seems to be bouncing and 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 you know we've talked about how it's affected us as fans recently and the Benitez and, and and like I said the cloud that's hung over us. Can you imagine what it's been like for the players? Imagine what it's been like for them. All the turmoil, all the ups. You know, them play. You know, Danny Donaghy going. You know, oh, he's been there forever and, and and all the turmoil behind the scenes with you know Marcel Bransley even taking some of his staff that sort of thing as well. So. It's been an absolute mess, and it's it's going to affect players. Of course, it is. You know, there's rumours that you know Calvert Loon's been on the blower to his agent saying, "Get you know, 
tell me about a bit potentially for the summer and you know well we've, we still may go on to sell them we don't know and maybe that that's the model we do need to look at sign players like that and then sell them for a healthy profit and reinvest but you know you don't want them to leave because the clubs are messed here you want them to leave because you know potentially we will get some good money for them and reinvest it wisely so let's see let's see but i think it'll you know, it'll be an opportune opportunity for frank to have a look at these players um, uh, up close in, in a game format before the Newcastle game, which, you know, as I said, will be a really important game. But these players you were playing Saturday, you know, Max, you mentioned there about, you know, what are we going to do potentially with Anthony Gordon? Will he lose his place because of the, the new lads coming in? Uh, and obviously some of the younger players as well, the likes of, we haven't seen Patterson yet uh, for, for the first team. Will he get it? Will he get a go? Mikhalenko obviously needs needs time to bed in. Will it be him starting left back? You know these these players, younger players who, who may get a, get a chance on Saturday, uh, and Anthony Gordon potentially a chance to, to cement his place in the side. They've got to be keen to impress, as have all the side, because with you know you've got you've got three lads there who aren't playing because of the fact that the uh, the cup tied. And you know come come Tuesday against Newcastle, the manager's going to be looking to say, okay, what's my best side? What side can I put out to, to win the game and beat Newcastle? What changes do I need to make from a cup game against Brentford? And if people aren't going to, you know, are going to pull the weight and aren't going to impress the manager, then they'll be out. And that's that's the beauty of having, you know, more competition for places. Um, certainly more. I think you know the two lads who came in on transfer deadline, they certainly bring more quality to that squad. That is that is for sure. So players have got to be on the toes now, and I've got to be keen to impress. And and you'd hope that. With it being a new manager, they are going to be keen to impress and, and keep their place in the side, and and hopefully that gives them an extra sort of five percent or so in in the game against Brentford, which, like obviously Lee, like you said, they were in good form at the start of the season, have tailed off. We we gave them a win, didn't we? Basically at their place uh, on another day, even though we, we were we weren't great, we had chances to to at least draw and even win that game. You know there was chances there for for certain players, so. Not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, but you'd want to be at home for your manager's first game. We are at home. I expect a great reception for him. I expect a reaction from the players, and and I expect an Everton win. To be honest with you, which is going to boil us going into a crucial game against Newcastle on the, on the Tuesday. Um, but Max, give us your prediction for the game. What, what are you saying, scoreline? Tough one. Don't like doing scorelines, me. I think. Going off what Lee said, God, I can't remember the last time we went in front in a game. So, not just for the fans, but for the players, how crucial that first goal is. Fingers crossed we can get that. Get Goodison, uh, no doubt they'll be up for it anyway, but get Goodison right up for it uh, and give the fans the confidence that we can go on and win it because I think it's been a while since we've had the faith in, in the lads to go and get a result for us. I say a two two nil Everton win. Lee, yeah, like I just said, it's it's hard to know, obviously, because you know he's going to he's going to want us playing a completely different style of football, and that's going to take a bit of time uh, to adapt to that. Um, I think it will suit certain players, even like Alan and and, and uh, Gomez, who I think will probably start as well. Um, so um, yeah, I, I think. I think I think you know. Hopefully, we'll bounce into it with a with a positive atmosphere. Um, and like like Max just said, there, get that first goal, first half, get the crowd going. Um, and I, I can see it. Yeah, possibly 
two or two or three one. I still think we'll concede because I, I still don't think we're, uh, we're we're fully we're fully shored up at the back. In all honesty, but I think yeah, I think we'll have enough to beat them definitely. Yeah, I, I think as I said, I think it'd be an effort and win. Um, I just think that 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 bounce that the players are going to have and that extra that extra bit from the crowd as well, I think will really really help on the day. Uh, players keen to impress. I think yeah, I, I'm going to go for a two-one. As you, I, I can't see us ever keeping keeping a clean sheet ever again. So until we <laughs> until we book that trend under Frank Lampard, I think we'll concede every single game. But no, I think I think two-one. I think we'll have too much uh, for Brentford and and it, you know it's exactly what we need. We need to get a win from somewhere, whatever competition it is. It's it's important, like you said, Max. It's the FA Cup. You, you need to win it. You're not in it, in it to make up the numbers or go on a cup run. You're in it to win the FA Cup because you want silverware, which is what we strive for, you know, for, for 27 years. So let's um, let's make sure we, we keep we keep going. Uh, we get that win and get into the uh, into the fifth round. Um, but and the romance of it, though. Sorry, Mike. The romance of it is that Frank broke our hearts in 2009, like Max said there. Um, and then his dad, my dad, was telling me Frank Lampard Senior also broke Everton's hearts in the FA Cup in. I think 1980 he said when um, he scored uh, at Ellen Road uh, for West Ham and we lost 2-1. So uh, obviously both both Lampards scored against us in the FA Cup. And now, as fate would have it, he's, he's now managers on the touchline in the FA Cup, which is which is crazy, isn't it? I know, incredible. And like you said, that's the romance of the FA Cup. And you know, long may that continue. The, the the best the best domestic competition in the world, and we we love it. We want to win it again, and and we've got to make sure we get the get the win on on Saturday. Uh, but that's that's us for today. Uh, Max, thanks for taking some time out uh, of your of your days and Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. I always enjoy speaking with you. Cheers, mate. And, and we will be back ourselves at the weekend uh, on Sunday. Obviously, post post Brentford, uh, we're going to look back on the FA Cup game. Hopefully, a win in Frank Lampard's first game in charge, and look ahead to a massive game on the Tuesday away at Newcastle United. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.